This is Pocket Watching with JT, the call-in financial talk show focused on helping you get your money right. Jason Thornton is a certified financial planner licensed in both tax and investments. Now, this is not personal financial advice. This is JT's real reaction to all your money and business questions. Are you deep in debt, living paycheck to paycheck, and looking for a way out? Call Pocket Watching with JT, the financial advisor for the people. Need more? Book your personal consultation with my man JT at pocketwatcher.net. Now, let's go pocket watching. Hey, Pocket Watchers. This is Pocket Watching with JT. I am your certified financial planner on these airways and live streaming on YouTube. Give me a call. 314-949-8690. That's 314-949-8690. I am live from the studios of KSTL Jubilee 690 AM. And today is Money Mondays. What do we talk about on Money Mondays? This is all about you. Look in the mirror. Look at yourself. This is what we're talking about. I am giving you the opportunity to get your money questions answered. Because listen, I am well aware that money and investments and insurance, all of this stuff can be extremely confusing. Let me give you guys a quick understanding of what I just went through over the past 25 minutes on the phone with my father. Let me give you a quick understanding of what my life is like. All right. So on my way to the radio station, my father gave me a call. And let me tell you, between my mother, my father and my wife, those are the three numbers that pop up on my phone. And regardless of what I am doing, I will answer the phone. Also, I have to add my daughter to the list, too, because now she has a cell phone, right? These are calls that when they pop up on my phone, I will answer it regardless of what's going on. So my father calls me up and he says, hey, you know, Jason, I I need a three-way you on real quick because I got a guy on the phone and he's saying that he can get me like 10% returns, guaranteed money, and I want to know what you got to think about it. So I said, you know, that, you know, I'm in a rush. I'm about to hop in the car, but don't worry about it. Go ahead, click me through, and let me hear what he's talking about. All right, so I already got an idea what it is. Anytime someone talks about guaranteed safe money, just know insurance is somewhere in the picture. So, you know, listen, the, the the guy has a genuine heart. Let me start with that. I am not saying if you are a person who sells life insurance, who sells some sort of uh, investment slash life insurance thing, I'm not saying that you are some sort of Dr. Evil. I'm not saying that you are some kind of scammer. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you are a salesperson. Let's be real. You are a salesperson who has been hired by a company to sell a product. That is what you are doing. Okay. I don't care what big insurance company brand you have, uh, you know, over the door of the building that you walk in. Doesn't matter to me. At the end of the day, if the solution to all your clients' problems happen to be you need to buy life insurance, 
you are a life insurance agent and you're selling a product. So here we go. When you are locked into one particular company, understand that your resources, the available tools that you have to help solve the problems of your clients are just that, whatever that company is providing. You know, I, I have to equate it to, and don't get mad at me when I do this, but you're very similar in this situation to a used car salesman. Now, I know many of you uh, insurance agents may get into the comments of this video. Maybe you want to call up to, to the radio station and, and explain how I'm wrong. And listen, give me a call, 314-949-8690. I'm more than welcome to take your call. But hear me out before you get too excited. At many times, people who work at these large insurance companies, you are very similar to a used car salesman. Why? Why are you saying this, JT? Well, let's take a look at what a used car salesman situation is. When you are working at a used car lot, you have the ability to help anybody who walks on the lot to buy a car that's on that lot. Now, if someone comes in and they say, I want to buy a two-door coupe, I want a red two-door coupe. As a used car salesman, the number one job that they're trying to do, they're trying to get that person in the two-door red car that's going to make them the most amount of money. Let's keep it real. You're not trying to sell them a two-door car that costs like $3,000 when you got a two-door red car on the lot that costs $100,000. If everything went the way you want as that used car salesman, if everything goes the way you want, you want them to buy the $100,000 Corvette, cherry red, and you're going to make the most amount of money possible on that day. That doesn't make you a bad guy. It makes you a salesman. That is what salesmen and women do. You sell a product or a service and you make a commission off the sale. And if you are any kind of rational human being, you are going to try to make as much money as possible on this transaction. That does not make you evil. It makes you a salesman. That's what it is. All right, so how do I now relate that to someone who is selling an insurance product? Thank you for asking. When you are someone who is captured at one particular insurance company, you are like that used car salesman that is stuck on that one particular lot. So when someone comes to you or Let's let's keep it real. Nobody's coming to you, Mr. or Mrs. Insurance Agent. You're going to them, right? It's a very, very, very rare situation. When you go out and or rather when people come to you looking to buy whole life insurance or uh, some sort of universal life insurance, no one's coming to you. You normally go to them. Let's keep it real. And then when you go to them and you're offering them these solutions of safe money and guaranteed returns, and here's the thing that I love when they say, we're going to get you a tax-free dividend. 
Think about how much money you're, you're going to make with this tax-free dividend you're going to earn from us. I'll get to that in a second of why the dividend is quote-unquote tax-free. I'll get to that here in a second, but let's just, let's just talk about it for a moment. You are a hammer looking for a nail when all you do is sell a product. If the only thing I have to offer my client as a so-called financial advisor is to buy a product, then I would not be surprised that all my clients have a product. That's the difference between what I signed up to do when I decided to become a financial advisor and what other people do. This is not a shot. This is not JT is hating on the insurance agent industry. This is JT explaining to the many, many financially illiterate people out here who do not understand the difference between someone who gives holistic financial advice compared to someone who sells a product. See, when a client pays me, number one, they pay me directly. I get no kickbacks. I take no referral fees. The client pays me directly. What are they paying for? They are paying me for my unbiased financial advice, which places them primarily number one. There is no other best interest. See, my personal feelings or my personal interests has absolutely nothing to do with the type of advice that I give. And not just myself, any other 100% fiduciary certified financial planner is in the same position. But when you have a person who the only way they can put food on the table is to get you to sign your name on the dotted line to buy a product, you have to understand that there is a conflict of interest. I mean, this is common sense. It's common sense. If the only way I eat is to get you to buy something, then you have to ask yourself the question, when this person recommends something to me, are they recommending it because this is the best possible use of my resources? Is this the best possible use of my available money? Or is this something that's going to help him? And maybe it'll also help me. That's not the type of relationship that you want with your financial advisor. Imagine having that type of relationship with your attorney. Imagine your attorney coming to you and say, listen, the, uh, the state is offering us a deal, right? Maybe you're, you're on trial for your life. The state is offering, uh, offering us a deal. They're saying that um, we can get you 20 years, possibly, you know, parole after 20 years, but you're going to serve 20 years. Now, you believe in this moment that the attorney 
is working on your best interest. That's what they should be doing, right? But what if you were in a situation that you did not know? What if you were in a situation where that attorney makes more money if you take the plea deal over taking it to trial and maybe you've got a better chance of walking scot-free? See, if you put that into your mind, now you have to question everything. Who would hire an attorney like that? An attorney that can make more money giving you an option that's not the best for you. See, in the world of law, that attorney would be disbarred. In the world of law, that would be considered malpractice. You could sue that attorney for doing that to you. But in the world of finance, there's so many people using terms like financial advisor who technically don't give financial advice at all. See, if I was to give a client an option that was better for myself than them, just like that attorney, it would be considered malpractice because I'm a fiduciary. And all certified financial planners are fiduciaries. But not all individuals who call themselves financial advisors are fiduciaries. See, when you're a financial product salesperson, you don't have to put the client's best interest before yourself in a general sense. See, if you got product A or product B, and product A and product B are virtually the same. The only difference is product A costs a little bit more to the client, which pays you more, and product B costs less for the client and pays you less. If you are not a fiduciary, there is no law against that agent to sell you product A. He can sell you the more expensive product and take the bigger commission, and there's no problem at all. And that's the issue that I have. That's the issue that you should have. You should always want to know if someone that is claiming to be your advisor, someone that is claiming to be your best representation of defending your interests in a financial transaction. Are they monetarily rewarded on one end or the other? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Financial literacy has turned into something to confuse Fuse people. On this call that I just got off of, I'm telling you, I was I got into this radio station late because I'm on this call. The guy, bless his heart, he kept telling me that he did not have enough time to explain how this 
life insurance product worked. I said, listen, man, but the time it takes me to drive from my home to the radio station is plenty enough time for you to explain to me any kind of financial product. It takes me about 20 minutes to get here. He was like, well, it's, it's kind of complex. Not everybody can get it. Maybe we need to sit down for an hour or two. I said, whoa, hold on now. I charge $450 an hour, right? I'm not going to waste one hour to sit down with you for you to try to explain something to me. He said he need, he couldn't do it over the phone. He needed illustrations. He, he needed to do a PowerPoint presentation so I could get it. That's why I had to pump his brakes again. I said, listen, man, I'm not a newbie at this. This is why my father put me on the phone with you. I don't need all of the bells and whistles. I've done enough work. Understand who I'm speaking to about this. I just want to give you an insight. This person, bless their heart, was has only been in the financial industry for probably less than 18 months. I'm going to say that again. The person who is trying to sell my father an extremely expensive insurance product, they have only been in the industry for less than 18 months, but they need PowerPoint presentations to explain to me how it works. I said, listen, man, I went to college for this. I didn't just sign up to go to this big, you know, like, being able to work for an insurance company, believe it or not, is not very hard. But believe it or not, I don't I don't want to, uh, you know, make it seem something other than what it is. But the bar for working for this company isn't hard. And yet I had to go to college. I had to graduate from a financial planning program. I had to sit down for 18 hours between all the letters I have behind my name, 18 hours of exams and pass every one of them. But I need illustrations. Let me go to the phones before I go crazy. <laughs> How you doing? You're live on the air with Pocket Watching with JT. Thank you for calling. How can I help you? Hey, hey JT, Lanita here. So it's so funny you're talking about this mm -hmm. because I am an um, insurance producer, mm -hmm. is what they call us, and you are absolutely correct. <laughs> So one thing I tell, one thing I tell people is that the reason why I know we in our community as African Americans we don't understand how insurance works is we get things like universal life or um, something with a cash value. Now it's not bad if you can afford it, but I think people mm. need to understand, which I found out the hard way because I had a universal life policy, is that that cash value is not yours. Thank you. Thank you. I, I feel like I'm the only person who can see it and say, please ex explain that again for people who don't understand. Please explain what the cash value is. So the cash value is what drives the, your premium. Yep. Because they're taking a, an additional premium and they are invested into the market. Mm -hmm. So what people have to understand about cash value is say the the maturity date of a life insurance policy is upon death. Mm -hmm. So say um, you pass, 
and you have a face value of $250,000 and you have a cash value of $150,000, you're only going to get $250,000 back. The $150,000 that they have invested in the market and made money from goes back to the insurance company. The other scam <laughs> with that is why would you have to pay interest to borrow your own money? Oh my so God! Let's let's, not, let's touch on that. I, while I got you on the phone, I'm gonna hold you captive for a second because I need your I need your help to understand this, okay? Because maybe I'm yeah. I'm the lane. Maybe I'm the guy. Even though I did take courses in insurance, had to pass exams, midterms, and all that stuff, I feel like I know. But when I talk to someone who was pushing infinite banking, when I'm talking to someone who was pushing cash value life insurance as the end-all, be-all way to build generational wealth, this is the part that kills me, the cash value. One, mm -hmm. it takes time to build up the cash value unless you have a large sum of money to pay up front. Am I correct on that? You are correct. Okay. Then when I decide to borrow, because that's one of the highlights, they talk about, listen, you can borrow from the cash value. You don't, you no longer have to go to banks and ask for money. You can just borrow from the cash value. Okay, great. Let's say after three years, I build up a cash value of $30,000. In your professional opinion, what percentage of that $30,000 would I be allowed to borrow? Uh, next to nothing. Uh, and the reason why is because you can only borrow so much at a certain given time. Mm. So for you to be able to get the $430,000, it's going to be at least, I'm just guessing, eight, nine, ten years. <laughs> and to borrow that, you're taking, so you you've given this money tax-free for them to invest. Mm -hmm. And then they're saying, okay, you can borrow your money, but you have to pay us interest. And what people say, oh, well, I'll do a withdrawal. Okay, you do a withdrawal on that, mm -hmm. and it's going to eat it to your face value to the point where it could cancel your policy. Okay, so see, that's, that's it. That's what I'm trying to get to. The, ca the cash value is your money. You, the cash value does not come from the sky. The cash value is not some award that the insurance company is giving you. The cash value is literally money that you put in. And then they tell you when you can take it out, how much you can take out of it, and they make you pay interest on the money that you're borrowing. Remember, it was your money to start off with. So for me, right. I just don't understand the point. Why not just save the money myself and I can go and take in and put out and there's no interest on me borrowing my own money. Why would I ever put my money in this other than certain circumstances? I always say there's certain circumstances. I'm talking about to the general, everyday, average person. Why wouldn't they simply save their own money and buy terms? So I so this is why I don't sell, and I can make. Let me let me be clear. I can make easily twenty thousand dollars a month selling universal life. Oh, I know. I know. Mission is just that great. The the, the fact that you don't push it shows that you have a certain level of ethics because it is against your best interest financially not to push it. Correct. 
So, for instance, this is what I did. Once I learned that I was being scammed, I was paying in my 20s, you know, very healthy, no health problems. I was paying probably close to $200 a month for a $150,000, uh, $150,000 uh, universal life policy. Oh, my God. Once I figured out I was being taken, mm-hmm. I quickly canceled that policy. And I got a term policy for a half million dollars for for both me and my husband, and we're paying one sixty a month. Come on, come so on. So you, it's, what I try to tell people is that's like going to your bank, mm-hmm. not going to a bank that has a surcharge, but it's like going to your bank where you're a member, right? And you go to take out money, and they tell you, okay, well, this is the fee you have to pay to take out money from your account. Mm-hmm. You have to look at it like that. You got that to. And people are lying. And I don't know how people are buying this line when they say you get the cash value back. No, you don't. You There's don't, you don't get the cash value That's the part that just is like just that. it eats at me and it eats at me and it eats at me. When they they always highlight the cash value and they talk about how you can borrow against it and how great it is to build wealth. But when you die, if the policy is for $250,000 and you got a cash value of $50,000, you are under the assumption that your beneficiary is going to get $300,000. That is not the oh. case. They're going to get 250. That other 50 cash value that you built up evaporates into the air. It goes away. So you've given them $50,000 in addition to your premium. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See, the, the issue is I understand that it's, it is a career and it's a noble career. I'm not trying to say a person who is in the insurance industry that you have a scammy job. You do not have a scammy job. I tell people all the time that insurance is a necessity. If you go to my website, www.pocketwatcher.net, I have a free course on the basics of financial planning and how to get out of debt and how to stop living paycheck to paycheck. If you sign up for that free course, you will see within the lectures that I have in there, I have one on insurance. And I explain, Mm -hmm. hopefully clearly, very similar to the way that I talk right now on the radio, I explain that insurance is a necessity. It's something that you must have to help your overall financial health. You just don't need all types of insurance, but you must have Mm -hmm. insurance in your budget. And for those people who make the decision to go into the insurance industry, obviously, if I'm saying the product that you sell is necessary, then I'm saying that you, to a degree, you're necessary. But the way Mm -hmm. that you sell the product, the way that you educate your customers, because eh, client to a certain degree, but the way that you educate your customer depends and makes the difference between are you a person that's holding up the highest of ethics? Or are you in it for the bag? If you're in it for the bag, you don't care what you sell to whoever, whatever situation that they're in, as long as it's somewhat suitable. If it's suitable for their situation, maybe not the best 
option for that situation, then you get your you you get your commission check and you move on to the next warm body. And the thing is about the cash value, what I think people don't understand is when you're saying, okay, I can build a savings, what you're basically saying is you don't trust yourself to be disciplined enough to make your own savings. Oh my God. See, I don't, you know, I, I don't live in that world. I don't know what type of crazy Netflix upside down alternative reality where a person lives where you don't have the financial uh, 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 maturity to save $250 a month, but you have the financial ability to make a $300 a month insurance payment. How do those two things work? If you could, it would make more sense to pay your $50 insurance premium and the other 250, you then save that up to the amount where you really, which would make sense, right? Like the average person doesn't need that huge of a cash value because the average person does not need that huge of a emergency savings fund. We're talking about three to six months of your monthly bills. Anything more than that, then we would consider you to be over leveraged in cash. It makes more sense to invest. But if you got that much money in the cash value of an insurance product, and then if you do happen to pass, the money just goes away. Your 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 family, your beneficiaries. It would have been make much better sense to have that money just sitting in a checking account. Even though I would never say just have it sitting in a checking account, they would get more benefit if it was sitting in a checking it'll account. Be, it'll be accessible. It'll be accessible. It's yes. Accessible when it's built into a, uh, an insurance policy. It's just not. It's just. It's not accessible. Right. So a lot of people that have told me, you know. When I when they're telling me, okay, I'm going to buy Universal, I say why, and mm-hmm. and I tell them, listen, I don't care if you buy a time policy for me. I'm just telling you how the game works because the game worked on me. It's like wow, and and that's what it comes down. To. They want to have a savings, so if you never borrow from it, mm-hmm. if you never withdraw it, you have essentially made that money. Or the insurance company, it's the reason why they say the insurance company does not post losses. <laughs> they may, but it's not it's not in comparison to other businesses. Right. So, it's like you know it's like the the insurance company in this situation is like the casino. They always win. Yeah. They always win. They always. Even even if you have a legitimate claim. They are going to they're gonna check and find any loophole possible. To not pay you out. To not pay out your claim. That's mm-hmm. their job. They have shareholders that they are responsible for. Or if it's a mutual mm-hmm. company, then that means that mm-hmm. the actual customers, you are the shareholders. And still, yeah. they're trying to find every, any possible way to not pay out. They're not in it for some sort of uh, non-profit uh, type of situation where okay yeah we're just here to help people no you're here not to make a profit yeah, they're, not a, they're not a 501c3 they're not at all. <laughs> right they're not a 501c3 they're in it to make a profit so it's my job i'm sitting here in the middle i'm in the middle trying to represent my client's best interests explaining to them listen this insurance company is absolutely necessary but don't allow yourself to be 
hypnotized with a lot of the terms and the things that they're using because their focus is to make money. And if they're making money at your expense, it does not bother them. It bothers you and it bothers me as your representative. And that is the issue that we have to address because we're dealing with a community of people who do not have on average $400 for an emergency. How <laughs> could anybody set up, knock on doors, make cold calls, jump in people's DMs and attempt to sell them a $150 to $300 life insurance monthly premium if you understand mm -hmm. that the average person does not have $400 for an emergency? <laughs> That's the issue. That's the issue. Listen, th thank you for calling. I see, I see you in the in the chat. Thank you so much for calling in. That's to see. That's what we need. I needed to hear that, or I was going to lose my mind. I was going to go <laughs> crazy because I felt like I am the lone person in the wilderness screaming to the heavens above, and no one understands what I'm saying. Oh, I understand it quite, quite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, listen, th thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it, okay? No problem. All right, all right. Listen, say, say, see, I just want to show you guys that, you know, the pocket washer, I'm not crazy. I may be passionate about this, but I'm not crazy and I'm not wrong. Anytime someone says that they need time to explain this to you so you can pull. Listen, money is not as complicated as those who try to sell financial opportunities to you try to make it seem, okay? The way money works is simple. The only question is, do you have the discipline to use the system right? It's simple. Say it all the time. Losing weight is simple. Is it easy? No. Never confuse something that is simple with easy. See, simple simply means it's not a complicated process. It does not mean hard. Right? Here, let me, let me give you a great example. What do you need to do to win a race? Talk about just a foot race. Everybody lines up. It's a foot race. What do you need to do? See, some people might say, well, listen, you want to make sure when you get started on this race, you want to kneel down. Your right knee needs to be up and your back knee needs to be back. All right. You want to have your hands at a 90 degree angle for the first 10 steps of this race. You want to make sure that your body is lower than five feet. You got to have it. See, a person can start telling you all of this. They're making it complicated. I would say, oh, what do you need to win that foot, that foot race? You need to run faster than the other people. Get to the end of the race before everybody else. That's simple. Now, we can get into the details of how you can possibly get to the finish line before everybody else. 
But the answer to the problem of how do I win a foot race against all of these people is simple. Get to the finish line before everybody else. It's simple. That's the same way money is. Money is simple. Don't get it complicated, but don't get it confused with being hard. We got another call on the line. Thank you for calling in. You're live on the air with Pocket Watching with JT. How can I help you? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, go right ahead. Hey, so I was just listening to the previous caller about the um, whole life insurance, and I have a, a question um, slash comment. Mm-hmm. Um, so question one, in what scenario, because you mentioned that it could work right for some people in certain scenarios, whole life mm-hmm. what scenario would you think it could make sense? And if And does it function as it should? If you pay into it accrued cash value, retire at 65, does it distribute, does it dispense out as it should, or does it function as it should under the right circumstances? It, it depends. So let me give you the classic exam question. Okay. So this is a question that I would get on the uh, certified financial planner exam. They give us case studies. They give us the background of the type of client. And then we have certain, um, we have certain options to pick from. Okay. In this situation, what would make the most sense would be if you had a dependent that was special needs. Now, doesn't mean you have to get cash value life insurance. What it means is in that particular situation, cash value life insurance makes sense because your special needs dependent will never be able to make enough money on their own to sustain themselves. Okay. And the reason why that's important is normally the average person can get by by with using term life insurance for the term of when their dependents need them financially. So if I'm a father of a child that's five years old, if I get a 20 year term life insurance policy, by the time that term is over, my child will be 25 years old. Now at this point, I have to hope and pray that my child is mature enough where if I was to pass unexpectedly, they would not need a large sum of money to last them for the next 15 to 20 years. They're an adult. But if they are special needs, they can be 50 years old. And I die when I'm 90-something years old. That child will never be able to work and make enough money for themselves to sustain. Why it makes sense in this particular situation is because while I'm building up a retirement fund for myself, if I was to pass in retirement, most likely I have drawn down so much of that retirement account when it passes through to my dependent, who is special needs, there's barely anything left. So that's one. 
Another general uh, question that you would get in the CFP exam where whole life insurance would make sense is if you're an ultra wealthy individual, high net worth individual, you have maxed out all of your other investment options for retirement and stuff like that. You have a net worth that is around $30 million. Because you have a net worth of around $30 million, your estate will be subject to the uh, estate tax, meaning simply passing your net worth of $30 million to your next generation, the government will tax your money. This is what happened to Prince. This is what happened to Aretha Franklin. This is what just happened to Chadwick Boseman. Right. And then we're talking about an estate tax, right? So if we were dealing with an estate tax, I'm a high net worth individual. If I get whole life insurance, the policy I'm getting, I'm getting it just to pay the estate tax, meaning my children will get the full 30 million because whatever estate tax pops up, the insurance policy will cover it. Okay. So okay. I just gave you okay. two options on both ends of the spectrum. The fact is that over 90% of the population live in the middle. And that is why I say for most people, it doesn't make sense because they're not on either one of those ends. They live in the middle. Yeah. And I, I do agree with when you make the, the, the comparison of most people have you know, three to six or four to six months of an emergency savings fund. Most people don't have money invested in stock, 401k. They haven't taken care of the basics. So mm-hmm. if you haven't taken care of the basics and then you're looking at whole life, that makes sense. It's, it's, out, it's out of order. It's, it's, it's like I was a sense. geek as a kid. I won the math elite award in elementary. Basically, mean I had the highest math scores of my class, right? And what I always remember is there is an order of operations. Whenever you are confronted with a complicated math problem, meaning there's addition in it, there's multiplication in it, there's division in it, there's all these different components within a very complex math problem. If you don't understand what the order of operation is, you can get the question wrong, even though you got each individual component of the problem right. You add it where you were supposed to add. You divide it when you were supposed to divide. You 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 subtract it. You did you did the numbers right, but you do it out of order. And because you did it out of order, you got the overall question wrong. That is what investment and financial planning is. It's about getting the order of operations of your financial life right. Who cares if you've got $30,000 in a a brokerage account when you've got $60,000 worth of credit card debt? The order of operations is wrong. Right. And I think that the, the, the one of the biggest things that I think that I get when I listen to you is um, first, I, I love your show. Oh, I appreciate um, it. Thank you. It's I think people don't always have an understanding of like making sure that it relates. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they take things literal they're, they're, and there are certain things that you say literal, but there are other things that the general concept of what you're saying is more important than the actual literal term, right? Right. So certain things literally like you should not have a lot of credit card debt. 
Don't get started there, right? That's, right? that's literal. That doesn't make sense in any situation. Right. When it comes to some of these other things, it's a little bit more granular. It's a little bit more, more nuanced. And right. you really need to understand more so what you're doing, right? So mm-hmm. if, you got, if you do have a whole life insurance policy and you think that cash value follows you to death, you don't know what you're doing. Right. Right. So you need to understand the product. And I do think that there are there are certain situations to where even if you're in that middle, if you understand what you have mm-hmm. and you understand how maybe the state because there are situations with whole life insurance, the death benefit increases because they reinvest the dividends into your death benefit. So it goes up over time. Right. There are ways to get the cash value because you can cancel the policy and get the cash value. Right. Then, but then you have no life insurance. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, I know. It's just, I know you got it, but I, other people, right. other people will hear that and they won't. They won't understand what you're saying. Other people will hear that and say, "Oh, okay, yeah. Well, then I just get." It's like, yeah, you don't have insurance anymore. Then you're basically doing what I said to do anyway. You're just saving your own money, and you're either self-insuring or you get term. Right. Even when we talk about the dividend, and people talk about the 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 the, the tax-free dividend. Well, you, you and I really know it's not a dividend because if it was a true dividend in the eyesight of the Internal Revenue Service, and I know this because I deal with the IRS all the time, right? The IRS has already deemed that this is not a true dividend in the purest form because if it was a true dividend, meaning money that was paid out of profits, right? So in, in, in the general investing world, I know you know this. I'm speaking to the, uh, to the yeah. greater audience. A company pays dividends to their shareholders. How? Right. They pay dividends based out of the net income of the business. All right. Quick example. Let's say the business makes $50,000 worth of gross revenue. That means all the money that came in the door from their sales. But they had a $40,000 expense for the year. That would mean that there is a net $10,000 left of profit. If they then choose to pay their investors, their shareholders, a dividend of $5,000 split up between everybody who's a, uh, a shareholder, it's paid out of that 10000 But here's the thing. A dividend is not an expense for the business. Right. It's not as if they're going to pay less taxes. They're still getting they still have to pay taxes on the ten thousand. The five thousand dollars is took from retained earnings. It's took from the capital of the business itself. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because when you receive a dividend in the way I just gave, that's taxable. Right. The IRS will tax you. But in a mutual insurance company. The IRS has deemed their so-called dividend as non-taxable income. Why? The reason why they have deemed it to be non-taxable is because of this. When you're in a mutual company, all of the customers are the owners. I'm going to say it again. When you're in a mutual company, all of the owners of the company are also the customers. So we have to ask the question, where did this $10,000 profit come from? Well, it came from the owners of the company. 
So if it came from the owners of the company and you paid them a dividend out of the money that they gave you, they give you your money back. You're getting a refund. So that's why the IRS doesn't claim a dividend from a mutual insurance company as a taxable event. The IRS looks at it and is like, you're just giving them a proportional refund of the money that you overcharged them. Because if it was a net zero situation, if the insurance company was only charging you exactly what it cost them to make, there, there would be no profit. Because remember, in a mutual company, the owners are also the customers. So that's part of the frustration that I get when people try to promote the um, the tax-free dividend. It's just a refund. It's not new money. If it was new money, do you think for a second the IRS would not tax it? They're not taxing right. it because you're just getting a refund of the money you gave them already. Right. It's a glorified refund or rebate. But that's why I think that it's important that you understand what you have, mm -hmm. what are the terms of what you have, right. and how you intend and how you intend to use it. And I think that's where when I listen to you, there are certain things that are like, man, he's right. I got this. I need to get rid of it. I need to understand, like, decrease my debt. Mm -hmm. Make sure I don't have any, you know, credit card, you know, debt. Make sure that I understand kind of, I have my, my, my emergency savings fund. Like these are kind of called like red rules. Like right. I'm in healthcare. We have red rules. Mm -hmm. You violate this, patient harm, people can die, <laughs> you don't do it. Right. right? You don't violate these rules. <laughs> the other things are guidelines, but you need to mm -hmm. understand how they apply in certain situations. Right. right? So I think that the, the whole life insurance one, like you have to understand it. There's other things. Same thing for your car. Like you say though no, you say that you buy your cars with cash. Absolutely, don't I do. Trying to go out here and do what JT doing that y'all can't understand and know how to do this. Like it's all right to have a car if you have your under expenses under control and you understand what you're doing from your finances. Right. Right. I mean, it's, it, it, yeah, it's just it's just like I, I wasn't always like this. I've had a car note in my life. It took time. Right. If you're a person who you have virtually no savings, if the only money you have is your emergency savings fund, I would not say. And clearly you need transportation to work. Right. I would right. say, listen, OK, then then you're probably in a situation where you probably do need to get a car note, but you don't need to get a car note for the most expensive car that the finance company will allow you to get. You need to get you a beater. You need to be able to get something that's manageable. Right. You don't need the Mercedes, the Beamer, all these cars that we see out here that, you know, people can't afford because right. I don't I know what I make. And I know I, I barely can afford it if I can afford it. So I know that the average person can't afford you. Listen, the, way too many the numbers like have already come out this year. The numbers came out this year. The average car note is seven hundred dollars a month. It's insane. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So I buy my cars in cash, I don't buy new cars. I buy a car that's about five years old, anywhere between a window of about five years old. It's a higher end car, meaning like not a like a Lexus or something, but I'm saying it's probably gonna have all the bells and whistles of leather seats and sunroofs and stuff like that. But it's about five years old. I pay for it in cash. Any money that I would have put towards a car note, I use to pay myself back. Right. So when you say that and I hear that, I was like, OK, if I can if I can save enough money and manage to do that, that's a smart thing to do to make sure I don't have any, I don't incur any debt and I still get my car. Mm -hmm. But the overarching concept I hear when you say that is 
make sure you manage your money, limit your debt, and right. don't go making unnecessary purchases. Right. right. That's the overlying concept. Yeah. And I think that's sometimes what people need to hear. When, like, it's, it's, the, it's the literal thing that you're saying, but it's also the concept. Like, yeah. sometimes yeah. the concept gets lost right. on people. I need a translator. Like, you ever watch those, yeah. uh, those, those Key and Peele skits where one is playing Obama and the other one is playing Obama's, like, uh, alter ego, his anger translator? Yeah. I need that in reverse, right? I, I'm the, 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 the more, the one that's more excitable, the louder one. I just need a translator to come behind me to put it in softer terms. Cause this is how you apply that. Yeah, this is kind of what it means, you know? People have already said that they don't like my tone. And listen, my tone's not changing, but maybe if I can nope. find a tone translator to put it in a, a you know, a, a softer way, in a way that, you know, uh, people who have a little bit more of a brittle spirit can take, then maybe, maybe I'll be more effective with this message. I like but, your tone because <laughs> even when it's harsh, it makes me look at it like, man, like, should I really be doing this? Let me, let me think about this. Cause he said this and he was excited and man, that made me, it kind of cut deep because, and when it cuts like that, you know that there's probably something that comes from a real place, right? There's something that you need to look at. Like you're not, it's not bothering you for no reason. Right. But that's the part of looking at it and really trying to understand it and taking the emotion out of it and digest the information, digest the concept. And usually when you do that, you get very, very valuable information. And I would say that the last thing about, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, and it could be a false benefit, but I do think some people see it as, as a benefit. Like when, you when you have policies like that and you're able to like put money and pay into something and it's kind of out of sight out of mind mm-hmm. that's helpful because most people can't have several thousand tens of thousand dollars in their savings account money something and and, and and not and, and actually and control themselves from spending yeah. i understand exactly what you're saying I, i'm wrapping up for uh, for the hour man thank you so much for calling in no i appreciate it yeah it makes sense i mean that's why i'm a big fan of the 401k at your job, the payroll deductions that fund the 401k at your job, because if you had to actually put that money in your hand for a second, then fund your 401k, most people won't do it. But there are ways where you can set up an account where money, after you get paid from your employer, the bank will automatically uh, transfer that money into a money market account or a high yield savings account off to the side. And I always tell people your emergency savings fund should not have a debit card attached to it because you will be tempted to spend out of it. So there's ways that we can do this and set it up. So where it is more automated, where it is less effort and you're not as um, tempted to dip into your savings. There's ways that we can do it that, you know, is not an, uh, a life insurance policy. There's ways to do it. Like with technology now, there's ways that we can do it. But listen, people, we, we've got a lot of stuff going on with Pocket Watching with JT. Uh, you know, there's some opportunities that are coming up. Big announcements are coming. I just want to th- say thank you to all my supporters, everybody. If you're, if you're viewing on YouTube right now, and I have all my YouTube members on the screen right now, big shouts out to everybody who supports this content. Big stuff is coming. Continue to support. Continue to to listen. Uh, We're going to probably be going at 9 
uh, I mean, 8 p.m. Central Time, 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. Moving forward, that's probably going to be the format for the most part. So, so just pay attention to what's going on. Uh, make sure you hit that like button, hit the subscribe button. If you have ideas and things that you would like to see me react to or talk about on this show, man, feel free. Go to pocketwatcher.net. Click Ask JT, shoot me an email, and I do the best I can to answer your questions. So just know I'm available. I'm here for you guys. This is not something where I am trying to sell you something. I am trying to keep you from buying things. I'm doing everything I can to keep as much money in your pockets as possible. That's what this is about. I want you to have no debt. I want you to have a budget and I want you to live the lifestyle that you deserve. But understand the lifestyle that you deserve is not in most cases a rock style, a star lifestyle. Right. I, I know very few people who deserve to fly on private jets. Right. But you deserve to live comfortably and you can do it. In this country, with all the warts and all the pimples and everything that's wrong about this country, you are still in the greatest country in the world for you to build wealth and live a comfortable life. Do not pay attention to anyone who is telling you that you can't do it. The system is rigged. Just stop trying. Beg. Get on welfare. Do all, all anyone who's saying that. They are losers and you need to separate. Focus on what you need to do to compete in this marketplace. Thank you guys. Go to pocketwatcher.net for more info. I appreciate it. I will see you guys this Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. The Pocket Watch is out. Thank you to each and every one of you. This is Pocket Watching with JT, the call-in financial talk show focused on helping you get your money right. Jason Thornton.